Well, hello and welcome to the Wednesday Word. This is uh, our summer story series podcast uh, for Desert Spring Church. We're located here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, we're going a little off script this summer, and we're getting a chance to meet with some of the members of the church and just kind of hear their stories, and as well as how uh, their faith has um, moved throughout their stories. And so I'm very excited to have someone I just met um, from the church, Harry Trellstad. And um, when I met him and started hearing his story, I'm like, you it, you absolutely must be on the podcast. And he, he agreed. So Harry, in your best radio announcer voice, please introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about um, how you got to be here. Um, yes. Well, I am Harry Trellstad. And uh, my story kind of begins with uh, Dan Morley, his wife, Bonnie. So Bonnie and my wife are both, my wife Kim, are both dental hygienists. And so they work together. And when Kim and I were dating, we were looking for a place to go. Kim went to Trinity uh, United Methodist for a while and uh, you know, when we were moving and we bought a house up here in uh, Pacoli Ranch. And so we were trying to find somewhere a little closer. And it was a little of a road trip to go down all the way to Trinity, not that we wouldn't. And we'd, I had gone there a few times with her. And uh, so with Bonnie being a dental hygienist, we needed somebody to also marry us. And so uh, that's when we got Dan to uh, officiate our wedding at uh, Angel Park Golf Course. Wow. Yes, because cool. there was no church here at that time. Yeah, there, there was, was not. There wasn't something here. What year was this? Um, that was in 99. Gotcha. 1999. Okay. So that's how we got connected. And Dan just was such an amazing soft, loving person Yeah, that I literally automatically connected with him. The church had been, you know, at that time, you know, it had they had started the building, and yeah. so that's when we started coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kim and I had kids right away, mm-hmm. and so we started coming to the church, and then we became part of the nursery. Mm-hmm. So we were running, my wife and I were running the nursery uh, back in, that would have been 02, 03, some of 01, I guess. And so we were running the nursery until, basically until my our kids got old enough. Which is now the pastor's office, the nursery. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> right? Correct. Okay. It is. And Dan Morley, for those of you listening, um, was pastor at the time. He's he's still a pastor, but he's our district superintendent that serves in, in, in the conference for our district right now. So Correct. Yeah. And so, you know, so that's what really brought us to the church. That's yeah. what got us involved. Um, you know, the church for, for me, it's just so comforting here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're accepted no matter who you are. Yeah. It's part of what, you know, the Methodist church to me, that's what me- the Methodist church to me means, yeah. is that it, it brought me in knowing that no matter who I was, what I, my, 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 how my faith was, 
that I was accepted. And so that all brought me here. That's wonderful. That's it is. Wonderful. And that's, so neither you know, of you were Methodist before this time. No. I, my mom was raised Jehovah's Witness. And again, my mom had me at 17. So I lived with my grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. My real father and mom never got married. So when I was with them... It was the Jehovah's Witness way. Okay. Um, And then when my mom got old enough and moved to Las Vegas, I was three years old when we moved here, uh, and I'm old, so that would have been in 63. (laughs) We're doing the math. And so there you go. So yeah, so back in 63. And so when we moved up here, she really kind of took that religious part away from me. Okay. Which was fine. She chose to not follow those, you know, that religious way, the religious volume of being Jehovah's Witness. Um, and not that she ever went in a, in a different religious way. And then when my, my father the, or my dad, the dad that raised me, when they got married when I was seven years old, um, he was Lutheran. And okay. from Minnesota, I, we right. talked a little bit about that. The religious thing for me was never really there. Mm-hmm. So I went everywhere. Good. Okay. <laughs> so I went everywhere in my religious experience. So when I was a kid, uh, a lot of the kids on, on the block were Mormon. Yep. So I did a lot of the Mormon stuff at that time um, with the Mormon religion. I also did... You know, I had a couple friends that were Baptists, so we did a little bit of the Baptist thing. And, uh, you know, but when I got shipped off, because I was of the age where kids didn't stay home for the summers, you got, you went to places. You went to go see Grandma and Uh, Grandpa. Absolutely, yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. And so I, when I would go to California and see my Grandma and Grandpa down there, it was back to the Jehovah's Witness and going to going to the Saturday, you know, services and and seeing and going to their meetings, and then when I was in Minnesota, and that was from nine on, is pretty much as when I started going to Minnesota. Then I went to the Lutheran. Yeah, you know, cool. I went to the Lutheran church because yeah. Grandma was very, very religious and very big on making sure that uh, I was part of the church, even though. All the way through that time, I had never been baptized. Okay. So it wasn't until coming here that I actually became baptized in the church. So cool. As Methodist. And who baptized you? Um, it was Dan at that okay, time. Yes, awesome. Dan baptized me at that nice. time. Uh, the other thing that happened, I mean, he also baptized our kids. And, awesome. Uh, you know, and so we went through... Some different classes. We went through the marital class, mm-hmm. you know, which was so awesome yeah. and so great to go through. Uh, and just, again, that was pretty interesting stuff to, yeah. to go through. Um, so I went to Minnesota from nine years on. We have the Trellstead Farm back there and my Uncle Arnie. Uh, and so that's what I did. I from nine years on, I would go back and work on the farm. What kind of farm? What did you? Uh, everything. It was it, corn, corn, wheat, soybeans, 
uh, peas, you know, sweet peas. Uh, Again, he had probably about 150 black Angus, Mm -hmm. had probably 60, 70 pigs. Yeah. uh, Chickens only for the house. You know. and, and at the age of nine, because my grandparents had a farm, my brother worked it. You're like driving the heavy equipment, right? You're doing, <laughs> did you do all that? It is kind of funny. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, the first, the first thing you do is they put you on the Cub Cadet, which is a little lawnmower. Uh-huh. And so you mow the lawn. <laughs> okay, good start. But their lawns are nothing like our lawns here. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking, you know, uh, three to four you know, three to four quarters of an acre yeah, is yeah. is all grass at the yeah. farmhouse, you know, so you're, you're mowing all of that. So once you, you know, and again, but it happens real fast. So I'll never forget my, my uncle Forey, uh, Forey and Norma Sharpen, which again, they're, you know, they also had the farm there too. And so I spent quite a bit of time, more time with them than my uncle Arnie at back nice. in the day um and so when i was with uncle Forey, and i'll never forget i you know i was there like maybe a week or something like that and he had said oh we need the truck <laughs> so the keys are in it mm-hmm. go get the truck no problem <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah that was exciting <laughs> so literally you ran the field, you know, and again, it was a uh, hay field at that time. Mm-hmm. And so it was already cut. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're running the field. And again, it was quite a distance. And you, I jumped into the truck and I started it. And I was like, oh, guess what? It's three on the column. No clue. I knew, you know, I knew how to shift. I knew how to shift on the floor, but the column, Uh oh boy, did I grind the heck out of that to finally get, (laughs) and of course, you know, popping the clutch out and you're bouncing the whole way and, you know. You barely reach the pedals, right? (laughs) Well, oh yeah, you can't reach the pedals. I was nine years old. Wow. You know, so there you go. So that was the first thing I drove. So cool. And then, so right at, at, besides the Cub Cadet, and then you went to that, and then... The next thing I know, because I was too small to buck hay bales, mm-hmm. so because back then you had the tractor, mm-hmm. you had the baler, the baler, the and then you had two carts mm-hmm. because we cart stacked the the bales mm-hmm. and then to put them up into the hayloft, and so you know I the hay bales were <laughs> much heavier than I was at that time. So I couldn't buck the bales to throw them up to the guys to stack them. So I had to learn to drive the tractor very quickly. And so then again, like you said, when it comes to heavy equipment, and then later and later than the next year, I think I was, you know, I'd, I'd gotten my farmer's license uh, so I could start driving the truck and the tractor and stuff on the on the, the roads, yeah, on the not just the roads, but on the on the you know. Yep. Again, the highways. Yes. Not the freeway. Yeah. But you could be on the highway. So I got my farmer's license at about nine and a half, 
It wow. was quite interesting to do all that stuff what at a, a young age. Yeah, it's a, my brother got to go to the farms. I, I was I was a mama's girl. I, I would go visit, but and he grew up on it. You get quite a work ethic working on the farm. My grandparents owned a hay farm too, so right. Yeah, that's so you really learn to work at a very young age. Yeah, and and, it seems, and again, I didn't. We didn't get paid. <laughs> you came out. You got paid your meals. Yeah, you know, which, which meat were, and potatoes every which are, meal, which are four meals a day of meat and potatoes. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot and sandwiches and and whatever when you're out in the field. But uh-huh. I, you know, you ate four meals a, a day, mm-hmm. and so the only way I made any money is on Sundays after church. I'd go grab a a tractor and a trailer, and I'd go to the sweet corn field, and I'd grab as much as I could for about oh 45 minutes uh-huh. and then I would go out to the freeway yep with a, and they would uh, Uncle Forey would give me the bags they'd have you know like lunch sacks mm-hmm. and so yeah it was 50 cents for a baker's dozen of 13 fresh cobs wow. of corn and that gave me the money that I needed to be able to go to the theaters and see movies and Great. and do that kind of stuff. How wonderful. So, what a yeah. wonderful childhood. So those were my summers. I, I was very blessed. My dad started the first country music station here in Las Vegas in 1960. It was KVEG. And so I was blessed with always having things to do. We, you know, my dad never, we'd never made a lot of money as a family, but our entertainment was always paid for because we always got to go to concerts. We got to go to, to shows. Yeah. I, I mean, everything. It was just the, the, the shows that we got to go see. I mean, my, my dad and Colonel Parker were pretty good friends. So Colonel Parker was Elvis's manager. Oh. And so, you know, my mom has signed Scar, my mom had she's passed away but she had some signed scarves you know elvis scarves and stuff wow. from him and uh i got to go one time to see elvis which was pretty wow. amazing uh but it was such a different world here in las vegas then i you, you had to wear a suit to yeah. go into the showrooms <laughs> yeah. and it was the dinner shows yeah and you also had to learn how to eat with your elbows like touching yourself so that was kind of of a neat way to grow up too yeah the Um, the summers on the farm and then the rest of the year the school years in las vegas that's quite (laughs) you've got quite an experience a lot of diversity like even in your religious experiences and who you went to correct had a lot of exposure to a lot of different and then more about that is as i went through the navy i went i was i i deemed myself non-denominal when i went in the in the navy uh in the military service and uh, I went everywhere. It mm-hmm. was it was it was very eye opening, because I got to see how restrictive other religions are. Mm-hmm. The Methodist religion is not restrictive at all. We accept and want everybody, mm-hmm. and that's an amazing thing to me. And again, like I said before, that's really what has me drawn or had drawn me to here is. That no matter who you are, mm-hmm. race, color, creed, mm-hmm. age, sexual gender, sh- sexual orientation, gender, any of that, you're you're accepted here, and the world should be more like the Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's why you chose to raise your kids. Correct. Yeah, uh-huh, to Correct. Be. 
That's wonderful. Yeah, That's so that really made great. out for really good. My first job, before even working on the farm, I, w- I did a commercial at seven years old. So it was a political commercial. Mm-hmm. And so I, and again, it was something that my dad had gotten me into. It was my, my mom's uh, gynecologist who was going to, you know, birth my, my brother uh-huh. was running for state senator. Okay. So it was Doc Turner for state senator. So they dressed me up in a uh, Rams football uniform <laughs> and, you know, with a little helmet and the whole nine yards mm. and dressed me up. And I had told the kids there at school that I was going to do this. And, oh, nobody believed me. Nobody believed me. And we lived in the, the University Park apartments right by yeah. UNLV. Yeah. And... So we lived in apartments. A lot of kids that lived in those apartments. Oh, sure. So I had told all these kids that I was going to do it. They just kept thinking, oh, they thought I was the biggest fooler, <laughs> that I was lying about it the whole way. And then when, they, when all the cameras showed up and cameras and lights, because and, we did it out in front of our apartment, and uh, <laughs> it was pretty amazing. I was like kind of... Got to be a little star there the for a while. The rock star, the neighborhood. So, right. So that kind of was something that I think has always stuck with me. You got a little taste of that. I got a little taste. And so as I, as I move on and then go into high school, I go into tech theater. Mm-hmm. I always thought... You know, it'd be really cool to be a tech theater person, be somebody that worked on, you know, Las Vegas has all the shows. And I had been backstage with my dad, mom, at so so many of these different shows, uh, tons of country shows. And so I got to see what those guys were doing. Yeah. And it looked so fun. It looked just like, you know, it looked like it was something to do and be proud of and, and something that was obviously something attainable here especially in Las Vegas to be part of a stage crew and so I did quite a bit and I did take some acting classes or just you know took some classes in high school but tech theater was my big push well it was kind of funny that as I continued to be on the back side of the you know the show it seemed like every time I would get and be part of this show, somebody would get sick, something happened to somebody, and I always ended up mm. doing a part in the show. Yeah. So the I unofficial you know, understudy, huh? Correct. There yeah. was not a lot of understudies back in high school yeah. theater so much. You know, there was somewhat, but not really. And so I always got pushed in front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, I did quite a few shows there at, at Bonanza High School. Bonanza. That's where I, that's cool. where I graduated in, in 79. And uh, kind of the experimental year was the, my schooling because that was the first year that Bonanza opened. And so it opened back there in 75, 76 school year. And so... 
we all got to go meet all new people because I was one of only 39 that came from High Park Middle School, which where, is where I went to school for junior high school. And uh, so they were going to make us sports ineligible if you didn't go to that school, oh. even though I had played for Clark High School okay. uh, my, my freshman year. So that was my sophomore year there. And it was the first year that they had freshmen actually in the high schools before middle school was seven, seven, eight, nine. And then high schools were 10, 11, oh, yeah. 12. And we went to sixth grade centers. I was also the first year of the sixth grade centers where they, they bust us kids to the west side, yep. which was the west side here. So I went to Matt Kelly for sixth grade centers and then went to Red Rock and a lot of different elementary schools because wow. we moved around quite a bit when my mom and I first got here. Um, but Red Rock Elementary School was the main one that I went from uh, third, fourth, and fifth. So you had there. to just keep learning how to make friends. But then that's, yeah, and which was good. That was good, too. But that's where we ended up staying, and that's the home that I was raised in. Um, you know, my education was was pretty amazing. I had done, you know, everything from I was Harry A. Kagan. I don't know why they picked me for Harry A. Kagan, but in Up the Down Staircase, uh, I did. Uh, we did a lot of pantomime shows. Mm-hmm. I had a group pantomime group that. We ended up taking third in state. Mm-hmm. I see where this uh, is going. I'm like, ah. Oh. So then we, then I, in my senior year, they had just opened uh, Cheyenne, the Cheyenne High School or campus for uh, C- uh, CSN. Back, for CSN back yeah. then. Uh, and so they wanted me to try out over there for the first production that, that they ever had there. And it was, I was still in high school, but it was a college play. And boy, it was something to really start learning. Um, Because I kind of had gotten into a lot with a lot of different theater people. I was trying to get, as in high school, I was trying to get my B-list hours. So I was working at the Playhouse, which was a professional playhouse that was down on Maryland Parkway over by UNLV. Mm -hmm. And so I worked at that Playhouse to get my B-list hours. I worked for free. But again, I would get my B-list hours to, you know, keep going in for the stagehands union. And it, again, I kept getting pushed to be in front yeah. instead of in the back. Yeah. And so then I ended up being mare dog meat for Little Abner. Wow. And that really kind of made it where, wow, I was really, I really had a real part. And it was, you know, I got to start the Sadie Hawkins Day race and the whole nine <laughs> yards, and it was fun. And, you know, and it was all the dancing and all the stuff that I did. And, you know, I thought, wow, this is this is more than what it could be. So I kind of hung out. I did other shows. Um, I still did, you know, I'd, I had uh, done Godspell, you know, and again, just a, a chorus member in Godspell for the, at that time. Um, I always wanted to do Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, I, yeah. 
it was it had always been such an amazing play to me and wow what a message that it has in there yeah. so i always wanted to do that i never got to oh, not too late you might but <laughs> <laughs> it might be too late for me now but that's okay no it's not too late. yeah you never know as it goes then i after my high school now i was my mom held me back because of how many kindergartner kindergarten schools and first grade schools i had been in yeah so my mom held me back so I was the oldest in high school. Was that, did you, did not love that? Oh, no, it was great. Oh, good. Because I was the first one to get a car and, uh -huh. and do all the driving. Okay. And yeah, I, it was really kind of cool. So as a sophomore, I was 16. Okay, <laughs> nice. So that was really cool. As I, as I got to being a senior, I was 18 and not sure what I wanted to do with my life. I had been in choir so I had done, you know, I was a low, low bass in choir. And so I got to sing. Uh, I got to do a lot of shows. We went to Disneyland and did stuff. I was also part of Starfire, which is, uh, you know, the progressive rock singing group, which was really cool there at Bonanza. And so being part of them, I got to sing more songs. I got to be more, do more acting, do more stuff. But doing all that and then traveling to Minnesota, I wanted to see the world. Okay, this is how, okay. So this is how, at 18, without my parents' knowledge, because oh. I was 18, I went <laughs> and joined the Navy. Oh. I signed up mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. I oh, they get you too. Oh, quick. I wanted to see the world. Uh -huh. And that was the only <laughs> way I could see affording uh -huh. to do it. So that was the, that was the reason. That so you, that's, the, the, why the Navy? Why the Navy? Because that was going to take me to the most places. Okay. okay. I was going to be on a ship. Yeah. I had talked... I had talked with other people before I really did it. Other sailors? Um, some other sailors. Okay. Some other, you know, besides just the recruiter and, you know, what <laughs> the story that they sold, but they sold me a good story. Oh, I got, good. I, I, oh, but the story really worked out well for me. Oh, it did. I was very blessed okay. and lucky to go in when I did. I went in, right? I went in, I went ahead and worked the rest of the summer and then went in in September. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of when school started, so I got to play, mm -hmm. and then I went in. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you go in, and I was ready. I was ready for a a good boot camp, and was and your all mama ready? Oh, I don't think they were ready for me to go. No, they never are. No, um, they, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, they did. Have, you know, here's the the fun funny thing about that whole story mm -hmm. is that they had a college fund for me yeah now again we didn't have any money yeah we never had a lot of money yeah we had my my dad always had new cars but because he used to trade out yeah you know the time on the radio for his cars to sure. use yeah. so you that know so he always had nice cars and stuff but again we, we lived in a small 1400 square foot 
three-bedroom house, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with my brother, who's seven years younger than me. And, you know, as it goes, <laughs> as it goes, they had a really nice college fund for me. You did not know about. Did not know about. <laughs> so guess what happened when I went into the Navy? Guess what they did with my college fund? Threw a really big party, bought a new car, what? <laughs> Put in a pool in the backyard oh, and jacuzzi. Oh, harsh. And in boot camp, <laughs> they sent pictures, they sent pictures oh, of no, all my friends sitting no, in the jacuzzi. <laughs> I, in, in fairness, to just I'm just going to speak for the mom who's been there when your kids in boot camp. You're not in your right mind at this time. But <laughs> yeah, okay. It was great. That's what they did. And they, they uh, oh, they made, oh, it was a beautiful pool. And, <laughs> You know, had a diving board the whole nine yards. Nice. It was great. Nice. And, but they wrote uh, letters at least. Oh, oh, absolutely. And mom sent me care packages all the time. So, uh-huh. you know, even when I even when I went to my ship and, and the whole nine yards. So when I went in, I got very lucky. I went to, I was on a pre-commissioning detachment. Okay. And so they were building my ship in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Which, guess what that meant? more traveling i got yeah. to go to mississippi and nice. see what that was like and then we picked up our ship in mississippi we went through the pan we went to cozumel mexico was our very first uh that would have been in in uh 2000 early 2000 and first on the ship you're and the first it, ones we with were the ship. The, it brand new you're the first brand of a new, lot huh? brand new ship yeah it was really pretty cool yeah again i told you it was an experimental year life for me yeah it all kind of worked out that way yeah um and so the ship was all clean it was all new yeah. it was all great uh we went through the panama canal we went to cozumel mexico when we went there and you know again in 1980, there were no buildings that were more than two stories there at that time. Mm. And we all bought, you know, we all had, they all had the little scooters. We all got on scooters and went around and we went diving and doing all of the stuff that we could do. It was pretty amazing amazing. back then. That's great. And then Hurricane Frederick came. So we had to get out of Cozumel. And then, so we were in the middle with our ship in Ugh. Hurricane Frederick. What was your job on this ship? Um, at that time, I was a seaman, so I was part of, uh, I was a boatswain's mate, mm-hmm. painting and taking care of the ship. Uh, but by the time that we had gotten back over to San Diego, I had been in long enough that I could strike out or get out of that MOS, as mm-hmm, Navy as they people say, would yeah. say. Um, and I became an engineman. Okay. So then they sent me to school, and which... They sent me to school to work on diesel engines. I was on the the last and newest Spruance class destroyer. So it was the last of its class was the Spruance class destroyer. It's called the USS Fletcher DD-992. And so we got praised as being the last of that destroyers. (laughs) So we ended up doing a presidential review for Reagan back in the day. Um, we got to go on a Liberty cruise. Oh, wow. So when we went on our Westpac, we got to go to places that yeah. no other Navy ships had. Some wow. had been there, but maybe once, maybe. Yeah. So we went to Keynes, Australia. Oh, we went to Harry. Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea to see. And, and again, 
at night, you could see the fires. That's where the headhunters were. Yes, wow. there still is headhunters in, in the jungles yeah. of, of Papua New Guinea. Um, we were there for a Remembrance Day parade, and we got to go play softball with them, with mm. the college that was there. Cool. Um, went to Pattaya Beach, Thailand. We went to Yokosuka, Japan, Sasebo, Japan. Uh, we did a 30-day dry dock in, in Yokosuka, Japan, so which was amazing because we would take the train up to the Shanghai Loop, which is the, the train that goes around Sh- you know, Tokyo. And so then we'd do the Shanghai Loop around Tokyo, got to, go see, got to see Journey live in the Budokan, got to see the Go-Go's live in the Budokan. Oh, my gosh. Richie Blackmore's Rainbow live in the Budokan. So, I mean, wow. again, we were there for, for 30 days, and we really... Living your best we, life. We, we did. <laughs> yeah. Which, I don't know if you... Did you see that? Oh, Those oh, are my not. six. I actually did not see that. This oh. is my. This is my. This <gasps> is my six word mantra. Okay, I said we we're gonna have six word memoirs for memoirs the summer series. Memoirs or mantra? Yes, yes, excellent. So this is. Oh, that's funny. I did not is, see that. And this is funny because you said that this is what my wife gave me. Oh wow! Because you had said that you had more than one, so my wife gave me this one. Always living my best life first oh good one way to go so that was that was the one that my wife gave good me. work i i wrote for me uh-huh. always making and doing my best life excellent so like those are so those. those are funny that's funny i'm like thinking you are living your best life wow yes i have always gone after kind of what i wanted yeah so after my Navy career... Wait, can I back up oh, to okay. boot camp? I'm sorry. I just want to hear about your your experience of boot camp, um, your faith experience. I have two kids who went through boot camp, and there was a whole lot of Jesus for them during that time because it's <laughs> like... There's... Boot camp was easy for me because I was prepared for it. I was ready. Okay. Uh, because I was in the shape that I was in, they made me the athletic petty officer of oh, our company. Oh, nice! So I had a I had a job and I had a, a reason, not mu- much more than just cleaning barracks, folding your underwear right and your mm-hmm. t-shirts right mm-hmm. and stiff and you know mm-hmm. all square, yeah. and more than just learning. The classes and and marching, learning to march. Mm-hmm. So I had a reason to be there. You know, at that time you had to run the mile. Yeah. Uh, you know, in in under seven minutes, you know, or seven and a half minutes, I guess was the was the the final. Mm-hmm. It had to be. You know, when you got there, you were supposed to have to be able to run the mile in under ten minutes, and then we were going to progress to making it mm-hmm. to pass the test seven and a half, and so. <laughs> I would have to lead the run mm-hmm. and run in front of everybody, lead the run, and then I would have about halfway through, once those guys were all going, then I'd have to go back and back. grab somebody's arm and help drag them to the end. And that was fine. That wasn't the hard part. The hard part for me, because it was a kind of a, a trust thing but for our our gunner's mate who was our you know our drill sergeant at the time he made me go take like people's uniform shirts 
because I was also a really good swimmer. And for those that couldn't swim, I would, they would have to, I would take their uniform shirts with their name on them and go swim in the pool and I- pass the test for them <laughs> so they could, so they could make swimming. Oh, my son so, Louis wished there was one of those for him, but I don't think they had that. So it was really <laughs> kind was of, yeah, it was really kind of tough. Wow. It was, it was, it was hard on me because I was, my, my dad was a very, strict raised guy where you know you just didn't lie you know there was no lying and to me we were lying about what was yeah, happening integrity, but right you do what you're trying to do <laughs> you had you did what you had to do yeah. because that's the position I was in yeah and I made it work wow so that was my <laughs> that was my navy boot camp it was really like I said it was really easy for me I mean, it was nine weeks back uh-huh. then. I'm not sure what it is today. It but felt it was, like 50, but I don't know. I can't remember it now. <laughs> it was only nine weeks for yeah. us. So. And, di- and did you go to church on Sundays? That's a day you can either go on church or... Oh, we always went to church. We always went to church on but Sundays. But that's, yeah. I, yeah. I always were, went to church. Um, and again, like I said, I didn't have a lot of religion in my household. There was religion there. But we didn't pray at the table like I do mm-hmm. today. We just didn't do that back yeah. then. So that was, I, I found my own, I found my own way. And that's okay. I, because when I went through a lot of things in my life, I had to go and do it and find my own way. Yeah. Um, when I came out, I worked construction. I got bored doing one thing only. So I really moved around. You can hear this in the construction life that I did. So then I went into the mud trades after cabinets and countertops. So I did flat work first. I worked for a, a company called McLean's Concrete. When I got to the point where I was on my tools and I had been, you know, started as a laborer, just setting up forms, doing this, doing that, shoveling dirt around, then started to work in the mud and started, you know, laying the flat work, got to my tools. The next job would have been owning my own company. Mm-hmm. I would get bored with it, so I moved on. So then I went and <laughs> so then I went and I went to, I like the mud trades, so then I went to brick and block work. So again, once I, I started out as a laborer, just setting up stacks of block everywhere for fences and brick and doing this and then then I became the hod carrier and I started making the mud and doing all that and then once I got done with that then I start then once I got to my tools again and again these are usually somewhere around year and a half to two years of me going from that stage to there because I always wanted to advance and then when I and when I got to that part uh again then I I was bored with just doing, once I'd done a, a million fen, a million feet of fences and, and done a ton of fireplace faces and, and wainscoats on the outside of houses and stuff, once I did that, I knew how to do it, kind of got bored. Time so I was, it was time to move on. <laughs> wow. So then I went into stucco work. And so then I was doing, you know, stucco. And again, started as a laborer. Uh, my uncle, I worked for the company my, my uncle worked for, which was Desert uh, Plastering. And so I worked for that company, and he set scaffold. 
so he would he ran around and with the you know the planks and set scaffold for everybody for to do the work you know and so I worked with him for a while and then it was time to move from there I knew I knew how to do that so then I moved from there and I became you know a part more labor or the hod carrier so then I became the hod carrier for them and that's you know moving heavy ladders and big buckets of of mud on your shoulder and you'd have to dump it on the the mud boards and so then after I got good at doing that then it was time to pick up the tools and start picking up the tools well I never I never really left that job on my own terms I actually fell three stories off of some scaffolding that was set backwards uh, my uncle wasn't working there anymore uh, he had moved on to another job yeah and uh wow so all my way I landed on my feet like a cat all my weight went through uh, my knee oh, and gosh. I tore my AC in L in half um, so then after that went and happened, uh, they would not allow me to work any subcontractor type jobs. So I didn't know what I was going to do. It took about nine months for the rehab. Mm -hmm. And again, I, you know, I did what I did. And so then I worked with, uh, my dad at that time had moved away from the radio and him and uh, a great mom person that I had known since I was probably like five or six, uh, Emma Addis, they opened their own advertising agency. Mm -hmm. So my dad's radio name was Johnny Gun. So Johnny 45 caliber gun. So, you know, that was the mm -hmm. whole thing back then is having a radio name and uh, I did public service announcements and stuff for him back in the day when I was a kid and I was son of a gun. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I always like my, my, my friends called me Harry the kid and they, you know, my dad always called me son of a gun. So that was kind of funny. So, <laughs> so as it worked out then, and I worked at the advertising agency for a while and I started doing they had the McDonald's account. Mm -hmm, here we go. So <laughs> I had the, so I used to do a lot of the characters. Now, even before I had done the characters, I had done Hamburglar, Grimace. Um, I did Birdie. Um, in doing Birdie, I actually, they flew me from on Southwest Airlines, which is part of the Ronald McDonald House charities, is. Southwest is huge sponsor of, of Ronald McDonald House. And so they flew me from Phoenix in the birdie costume all the way to Las Vegas. <laughs> so sitting at about about eight and a half hours of being in that nice. costume. Staying in character at all. <sighs> yes. Um, that was quite a quite a fun thing. So and I enjoyed doing those characters quite a bit. Um and so it got, it was a lot of fun. But, you know, and again, I made, I made, made okay money, but my dad never paid me very well at Five Star Group, which was the name of the advertising agency. And I, he always was a stickler for having a degree, you know. And so, and I'd never gone to college 
for that. Okay. I had done two years of college in in the Navy yeah. for courses afloat because back in the day I thought I wanted to become an officer because I saw the writing on the wall as far as for retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, 30 years of being a, a master chief, the pay you get from that from for retirement is about yeah. a third of what an officer in 20 years makes. So I kind of wanted to become an officer and that didn't all pan out. So as I so as I back up and now go back forward, so I ended up becoming I still liked construction, but I went and became a job superintendent. Now, in that time before I was I also was a character at the Dunes Hotel. I was uh, Sultan Abdullah Vey. Again, during in between these different, you know, construction gigs, again, it was only supposed to last for three months. Mm-hmm. It ended up lasting a year and a half. Mr. Anderson, who owned the Dunes at the time, uh, really loved the promotion and what we were doing. There was only three of us, and I became the Sultan of Swing, Sultan Abdullah Vey. And we did a jewel, jewel box jewelry giveaway. We ran around through the casino, handing out drawing tickets. We used the Oasis stage uh, and gave away jewelry for those that were stuck around to do it. And it was, it was nice costume. It was costume jewelry, mm-hmm. but it was nice jewelry. I mean, some of the stones were real. You know, it was cubic zirconias, which people rave about now. You know, I mean, geez, they would think that the stuff was really nice stuff. So that kind of got me into the thing. I always thought I was going to be found there and move on to being in a movie or being... Ah. I, this is where I really found my acting skills and my character acting stuff. And it was really a great way to live my life. I really enjoyed what I got to do there. So then, at, you know, doing the characters for McDonald's, um, then they came and asked me to do uh, another character, which was the Moon Guy. Okay, so everybody, you know, if you if you remember Mac Tonight, Mac Tonight. <laughs> so I got to be Mac Tonight. I got to do commercials for McDonald's. They called me, and and I got to do that stuff. And then, you know. After the commercials, then we had a Moonhead costume here, and I got to do autograph parties. Again, another way to get into character acting. It paid good to do it. It wasn't full-time, but it paid good to do it. You know, So it was always trying to find a way to find something full-time. So then I ended up going back into construction. I ended up becoming, I, at the advertising agency, I had one of my accounts was a home builder. And so uh, it was Desert Creek Properties. And so I ended up building 500 homes for them in five years as uh, I started as an assistant job superintendent and ended up becoming the job superintendent there. It was great money, but the worst job I ever had. My job required me to be there anywhere from 60 to 70 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I never had time for my family. 
any of that, you know. So, and again, that was all pre coming to this church and and being married, you know, with my wife Kim. So, it was that was a tough life. I I made great money, but during that time, after that time of working with them, is when McDonald's came and asked me if I wanted to try out to be Ronald McDonald. <laughs> so. I went and tried out. I had never really done clown work. Mm-hmm. I'd been character acting. Yeah. And I'd done acting. Yeah. But I'd never been a clown, never put on full face makeup uh-huh. and stuff like that. And so when I tried out, they said, well, you don't have to put on full face makeup. And I had been in magic and done magic stuff and kind of been in magic before. So they set me up with, well, you're going to go try out at a safe key at, at a school. Okay. And so I ended up, they wanted to see me, see how I performed, see how I handled the kids, see what I did with them. And did I, was I entertaining? And so I ended up being Mr. Magic coming in and I did some magic tricks for them. I had the kids do you know, all together do some special fun things together. And there were four other four other guys that tried out. They were all Ringling Brother Barnum and Bailey Clowns. Been to Clown College because there's Been a college, to clown college for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Down in Sarasota, yep. Florida. Oh, yep. I, I know all about it. Uh, I didn't too. go, but <laughs> I know all about it because most of the guys that yeah. were Ronald were yeah. that. From Clown College, yeah. Correct. And so they chose me. Yeah. You know, is Harry, when I found out that I looked at you, I'm like, that is Ronald McDonald. When you first <laughs> told me, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. But also that's like your underground. Like it's like your, your witness protection. You can't really talk Correct. about it, right? I can talk about it today now, because there is no more Ronald yeah. McDonald. But I mean, back in the day, I even had to teach my kids how to I, I hate to say lie, but not tell the truth about what I did. So when it came to going to school events or doing things like that, and people would ask, well, what does your dad do? Yeah. So I would just, I came up with, my dad does clown work for kids. He does character acting clown work yeah, for kids. That's- because I had a, you know, a disclosure clause in my contract uh, that... <laughs> You can't go around telling everybody that you do Ronald McDonald. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so, funny. yeah, so it was it was pretty amazing. It was the most incredible job in my entire life. Really? I did it for 24 and a half years. I loved, I, you know, my contracts were written out, so I basically did 200 days a year. So I was in makeup 200 days a year. I would do more because I loved what I did. Mm-hmm. I would do more. I had, I did everything from the TV commercials. I was part of Fox 5 Kids Club here. Yep. I, you know, with Rusty the Fox. Um, we had the Call Ronald, Call, Ru- call Rusty line, phone line here where they could call up. We would do some fun stuff about, you know, some great little child things. And then we would say where we were going to be and where my shows were. Yeah. So we had to redo that. We were averaging we were averaging about two thousand calls a week. Wow, two thousand wow. calls a week. 
for the call Ronald and Rusty. And it was only two lines. (laughs) So, you know, when the commercial would come on after school, we knew that there was, that the lines would be busy. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, again, but I mean, again, we were getting over 200, you know, or 2000 calls a week. It was an amazing thing. I loved being Ronald. I loved doing magic. I had, I have rubber bands on my wrist right now because I still do magic for my for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, in seventeen, they discontinued all Field Ronald programs. Yeah, um, it was a sad day. Yeah, it was it was really sad. Um, they told us in October, and at the end of the year, we were done. So I kind of had a, it, it was a, a, a depressing time for a while for a me. A little bit of an identity crisis, I would think, if that's because what you had done. Because where, yeah, I can't just go be Ronald McDonald anywhere or, or do what I was doing anywhere. Right. And uh, so it was tough to know what I was going to do. And I was five years away from financially being able to retire for you know, for the rest of my life, I was right in that. I needed to still be making that good money. And you expected that you would be. I expected to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So actually I would have retired this year Uh in, in May. Wow. May 1st. Wow. Would have been my retirement of this year. So didn't know what I was going to do. Had no clue. I ended up going to Texas station and I, I applied to be valet there. They hired me in the first interview. I mean, they did the first and second and hired me all in one time, which, as she had said, she had never done that before ever with any of her employees. And she ran not only valet but the front, you know, front desk and had quite a few people in, under her. And so, so I pushed on with that. I had worked there two years until COVID came. Mm. And then when COVID came, it shut down, and they never reopened Texas Station. Yeah. It's still not reopened yeah, to this day. Weird. And so it was redoing myself again. Wow. <laughs> Refinding myself again. So my wife, being a dental hygienist, she cleans a lot of the teeth of some people that work for Clark County School District, and they said, he really needs to become a bus driver. He'd be working with kids again and, you know, it'd be something that he yeah. could do. And, you know, they teach you, they help you get a CDL. All this time of driving all the vehicles in the world, I never had a CDL. So I went and got my CD, you know, so I got my CDL and I became a school bus driver. My kids call me Mr. T. My kids like me. Yeah. Um. It was quite a challenging year. This is my being my first year this year, oh, first tough, full year. Tough year for people who've done it for a lot of years, too. <sighs> yeah. So, it, you know, but all in all, you know, you only have like a couple handfuls of kids out of the, you know, 55, 56 kids that you have on your bus. You only have a, you know, usually five, six, seven, eight kids that are not respectful to you. And you work hard on either turning them to be respectful or they end up having to get off your bus. And so that's what happens. And it was quite a learning experience for me. But 
you know, doing summer school, the kids that came, they loved me. They wanted to be there. I, I have parents and, and kids that are like, I hope you're my school bus driver for next year. You know, I, I, I was very lucky. My high school kids were great. My middle schoolers were challenging and my elementary kids were good. So, you know, it sounds like you have reinvented yourself many times, right? And it sounds like your experiences um, from, you know, from the farm to the entertainment to all of that, it's uh, made, made you a really well-rounded person, you know, and maybe that's part of your accepting of all, and, and maybe that's partly why the Methodist uh, way resonates with you, right? Right. Yeah, I think that's great. But so of all these people that you've encountered, I'm thinking of, you know, through boot camp and schools, and who do you, who's had the greatest influence on you and in your faith? Okay, so when I when I go back to high school, so Carol Lohman, she was not only my drama and tech theater teacher, but she was my English teacher the first year. Mm-hmm. She's the one that drove me to tech theater and drove because I didn't have it right away, but she got me into tech theater. And she accounted for, oh, probably nine of my 19 credits that I graduated. Well, I graduated mm. with 21 because right. I'm an overachiever when it comes <laughs> to those things. You only needed 18 to graduate. But, um, but yes, I mean, she, mm-hmm. she really influenced me. I mean, I went back. She just had gotten a really cool party at of being 55 50 years of teaching wow so she had continued to teach for 50 years wow now she is now retired um but she still works and still does things i still you know still text or email her every every now and then um carol loman was really really instilled in me you can be anything you want to be mm-hmm. yeah and that's what i've always tried to teach my kids mm-hmm. i don't care what you want to be i don't mm-hmm. care what you are mm-hmm. love doing what you want to do yeah and be what you want to be because then you never are working a day in your life yeah. and that's i know that's an old saying people say it's that so true. all the time it's so true but it is so true it is for 24 and a, and a half years of doing ronald I loved putting on the makeup every day. Mm-hmm. Yes, it took me an hour to put it on. No, I didn't drive. I had a driver come and pick me up at my house pretty mm-hmm. much every day. Other other than when I was out of town and working in different areas and stuff. So, you know, I would put on my makeup there, and but we would be in that area. Um, so, yeah, that's a, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a lot of my story. Um, you know, and... F- I mean, Dan Morley was so great. Yeah. He he helped me bring out the faith that I've always had. Mm-hmm. I always had faith. Mm-hmm. I always had it. But he helped me bring it out even more and help establish it for my family and for my church life. Mm-hmm. It's just great that anytime you get a chance to use like your gifts and your passion, I, 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 you, I, I'm sure it comes across to people listening, but your eyes twinkle when you talk about the stuff that you've done. And so I think a part of your faith 
uh, the gratitude is a big part of our faith journeys and when we can find um, ways to, to be grateful. Because some people can be like, ah, oh, I'm putting this makeup on again, all these kids, ah. you know, but that you can find joy and gratitude in every day um, doing that and all the jobs along the way, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, I've been very blessed. Um The good Lord still has something for me. Yeah. In 18, I had a heart attack. Um, again, I had clogged arteries, so I had to have quadruple bypass surgery. Mm-hmm. So I walked into Summerlin Hospital after a really fun and joyous evening with my wife at the Red Rock. Um, it was late, and I just thought I had heartburn. And I kept telling her I'm going to be the silliest person going into the emergency room and it's going to be heartburn. Well, when my wife went and parked the car and she came around the corner and they told me, uh, <laughs> um, sir, you're having a heart attack. So wow. for people, they, they threw a gurney at, at me and four people picked me up and put me on the gurney and they took me away. Um, again, to put stents in and open up these clogged arteries. And I can't remember how many it was, but I they had to bring me back quite a few times on the table. Wow. And, oh my word, it was the worst day of my wife's life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not knowing and then they put me up in the ICU after that, and when I woke up and they told me that they put a couple stents in and that I was going to have to have quad bypass. And again, we were on the Obamacare insurance at that time, just getting ready to, in fact, that Monday when it happened, uh, early Monday morning, late Sunday night, early Monday morning when I went to the hospital, I had just got, with the Monday, I was scheduled because I had worked long enough at Station Casinos to get their insurance. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had an appointment with HR to get the appointment. And so all in all, <laughs> when my wife had to call in, because I had Sunday Mondays off, so my wife called in on Monday to tell them what was going on. And I had amazing people there that actually had me go ahead and sign up, even though I couldn't physically do it, but they had me signed up for insurance. Wow. So I was double covered. Wow. Oh, people are good. God is good. Yeah. 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 So this is my spiritual connection to that. Yeah. Again, God saved me. I don't know how many times. Well, God gave the strength to the doctors to not give up on me. Yeah. And not call me. And I'm sorry. This is no. kind of a touching time for me and to talk about this because, I mean, he, God had something... Yeah. Still for me. And so <laughs> at the time, I didn't know I was going to get the station's casino insurance. 
And so they told me that they were going to send me home after I had healed up a little bit, and they were going to bring me back to do the, the bypass surgery. And I said, guys, I can't do that. You're going to put me in a financial bad way because it was going to cost me $5,000 for the Obamacare to, to do that. And I said, so if you do that again to me, when I come back, it's going to cost me another five $5,000. And, you know, and so is there any way I could stay in the hospital? I said, I'll, I'll go into general whatever way. If I can just stay here, then I'm not going to get charged twice. Mm-hmm. And so they did. Wow. <laughs> they kept me there. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I spent, because of the blood thinners and stuff they had to put in me to put the stents in, that's, they had to, that, those blood thinners had to get out of me before they could do the yeah. surgery. So, and again, it took five days and then they took me right in and, and I had the best cardiologist in this whole area. Mm-hmm. Uh, that worked on me. Again, God put me in the right hands. Dr. Jahangir, he's world-renowned as a, uh, one of the best cardiologists and, you know, heart doctors, heart surgeons mm-hmm. in the country. And God put me in the greatest of hands. I had my heart surgery done, my my quad bypass, and... I left the hospital and was home in four days. Wow. The fastest that anybody had ever, that he had ever sent somebody home. Yeah. Because it was getting, you know, I had spent all that time in there from, you know, the November 18th and through, you know, I was wanting to be home for Thanksgiving. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I got lucky enough to do that, and I pushed myself to, you know, because they told me what I had to do, and that's when I say making, you know, when I say always making my best life and, and always doing my best life, I made, my, I made myself do what I needed to do to be able to be home for my family yeah. and be there because I know <laughs> the tax and time that I put on them of me being in the hospital. Yeah. Was rough for them, you know. So so it was great to to be home. I took one pain pill. That was it mm-hmm. after I got home because I needed to know where I was. You know, I could sit home and take a bunch of pills and not know. So and again, that driving force and God has put that or instilled that in me that, you know, to make my best life. Yeah. Wow, Harry. Yeah. And there's, God's not finished with you yet. So. No, he's not. Cause yeah. he, he still yeah. keeps challenging me all the time. So. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, um, we're certainly glad that it turned out the way it did and that your wife took, dragged you there <laughs> against your will. That's what <laughs> sometimes yeah. wives do. Oh yes. And grateful for that. And that she knew because, right. um, Obviously, you um, have much more to do, and, and I love. I I knew very little about you, um, so getting to hear your story is really is really wonderful. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. 
Um, well, okay. So I so stay tuned next time when he comes back and says how much he loved camp, Magic on the Mountain <laughs> camp. <laughs> that will be the next time we hear from him. And um, yeah, Harry, you should consider being a host sometimes, podcast host, so in your great radio voice. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, it's really an inspiration. Uh, I can... Um, I can picture a lot of those, um, a lot of what you're telling. I can, I can picture that. And it's, it's, it, it, you have had a blessed life, but also yeah. you've, you've obviously worked, worked hard at, at, um, appreciating that. And so. And again, I always want to thank Pastor Dave. You know, he's been there for me. He was there at the hospital when I had my surgeries. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's always been in my corner and, uh, Again, another driving force to continue to bring me back. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And the men's group, grow men's group. They always get, <laughs> they get, they get. You guys get really good breakfast. I got to go to one. I'm like, man. <laughs> so, well, um, thank you to you, Harry. Thank you to Chris, uh, uh, running our technology here. And to those of you listening, we'd love to hear from you. Um, if you have comments, post them where you're listening. If you're interested in being a guest or. Uh, you know, nominating a guest, let us know. Um, we're doing our summer stories series and um, it's just great to hear the stories. We have great people in our church with great stories and we don't get a time to hear all of those. And so thanks for showing yours today. Harry. Thank you. And, and again, to the men's, you know, men's breakfast that we have, we do a lot of good sharing there. We do. And so, you know, for those that are listening that might not know or know that, you know, what we do there. Uh, again, it's the third Saturday at 8 o'clock, and we will be here. Bill Kazimoff's going to really appreciate that plug, <laughs> Harry. Good work. <laughs> um, I'm going to close us in prayer then. Um, gracious, loving God, we just thank you for um, this time to get to hear Harry's story and to uh, see how um, the people and the opportunities that you've weaved uh, throughout his life have uh, made him the man that he is today, the man of faith and um we just uh, appreciate all that um, he has shared with us um, and all that he does and his attitude um, and, and, and the, the living his best life, the inspiration that is for all of us to uh, not just live but to make the best lives that we can with all of the blessings that you've given us. Um, be with those who are, who are listening um, and um, we just thank you again for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>